Time now for Financial Friday on WOMI with your host, Drew Watson, sponsored by Align Wealth Management. And 1490 AM. Hello and welcome to Financial Friday, brought to you by Align Wealth Management for the October 1st, 2021 edition. And thank God, September's over. I guess that's the TGSO edition of Financial Friday. I'm your host, Drew Watson, and if you're scoring at home, September was really probably the worst month we've had in the major indexes uh, since 2020. Uh, as a reminder, stocks can go down. They don't go up every month. And you do get a mixed bag from time to time when you have rising interest rates, which will be the theme of this show if you uh, are listening at home, and also a political backdrop in Washington, D.C. that is, uh, as Obi-Wan Kenobi once said, a wretched hive of scum and villainy, uh, the likes of which you will find nowhere else in the universe. But with that said, let's take a look at the market. The market's been off uh, really a little bit of a skid for about the last two or three weeks. And as I said, September came in with new highs uh, in most major indexes uh, being hit the first week of of the month and then, uh, you know, selling throughout the rest of the month. And, uh, you know, here we are in September on the S&Ps at about 4307. That's just a tad below the 4339 50-day, you know, 100-day moving average. Um, the 200-day moving average is all the way down at 4191. We haven't um, tested that since election time last year. We spent a few sessions uh, underneath it and then right back up. We don't know if that test is coming. But certainly from where we were September 2nd on the S&P at uh, right around 45, we're about 200 um, and 38 points below that, so which is about a 5% retracement. Um, the Dow Jones has had a similar trajectory um, this month. As I said, we've had really kind of an abrupt move up. Uh, the 10-year Treasury went out on Thursday's action at 152. That is 1.52%. Uh, that's back to the level uh, where it was really kind of at the beginning of summer. Uh, right at the end of June, you know, um, say June 28th, we were at that level. Um, and the high for the year in the 10, 10 years are about 176. If you look at some longer-term rates, uh, the 30 years at 209, um, the high there is 250. And likewise, the last time we saw 209 on the 30-year was out at around uh, right at June 30th. So, you know, we're kind of back to where we were at the beginning of summer with rates, but you put with that uh, a backdrop of um, total, um, you know, immovability in Washington, and you kind of get a mix for a decent sell-off this week. Just in case, if you're thinking about it, we did have a rate move on a, on a you know, tires a percentage in this back at the end of the year uh, through January 6th. And markets really didn't sell off except for one day. So, so it could be said that maybe some of what's going on in Washington is playing a role in this market sell-off as opposed to what had been, um, you know, smooth sailing to this point. I'll get into a little bit of perspective uh, for the final quarter in our next episode on, on this or the next segment, I should say, on the show. But definitely uh, what we've seen is um, – 
some test flooding in September, and, and you know that's all part of it uh, that happens. You know, on, on the brighter side of the street, if you went long crude oil or natural gas, you've had one heck of a year, and crude oil did punch up this week to its five-year high. West Texas Intermediate went out on Thursday at 7505, natural gas at 594. Keep in mind, uh, about a year ago, natural gas was uh, down about 240. So that's kind of doubling. And good old New York hub gasoline at about 225. Uh, we are off the highs of gasoline for the year, uh, but we're still in an upper trading range ever since really uh, late February, early March from that point of view. We've had a mixed bag internationally as well, but definitely uh, September uh, lived up to its billing as kind of the crummiest month of the year for investment. Uh, we'll talk about a lot more stuff on this show, specifically interest rates and where things are going and what to look at in the fourth quarter. You're listening to Financial Friday, brought to you by Lime Wealth Management, and we'll be back in 60 seconds. What do you want to do when you grow up? When we were young, it's a question we were often asked. As we get older, our passions become clearer. Our pursuits become careers. And if we're diligent, we begin to plan for the life we want to live. That's why at Ameriprise Financial, we ask, what's most important to you? Starting with our confident retirement approach, your Ameriprise Financial Advisor will ask questions that will help you arrive at a customized plan that can help you realize your goals today, tomorrow, and throughout retirement. With the right financial advisor, life can be brilliant. Call Align Wealth Management, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, Inc. today at 270-684-8424. That's 270-684-8424. Office is located at 2708 New Hartford Road in Owensboro, Kentucky. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Hello and welcome back to Financial Fridays, brought to you by Align Wealth Management. I'm your host, Drew Watson, and we want to take this segment and look into uh, some perspectives as we head into the fourth quarter as it begins today. In the third quarter, uh, cyclical value areas of the market lost some momentum as economic and the reopening theme slowed as the Delta coronavirus variant worsened. Supply chain disruptions, transportation bottlenecks, inflation pressures, increased regulations out of China, and concern over the Federal Reserve reducing its bond purchases were other factors that weighed on investor sentiment. And while value is looking to outperform growth at the smaller cap spectrum in Q3, growth is on pace to best value in the large cap level. And Ameriprise does have a lot of statistics, and it's notable is uh, stock weakness in September has been more pronounced across growth areas. In addition, a faster than expected move higher in the 10-year U.S. Treasury yield has put unexpected pressure on technology stocks, which has translated into weaker performance across the growth style at the close of the third quarter. And stock performance across the broader equity style looks mixed for the third quarter as we finished up yesterday with performance weakening as you move down cap space and outside the U.S. At the broad market level, Ameriprise believes investors should continue to tactically overweight value, move growth to equal weight, and maintain an underweight in fixed income for the fourth quarter. From a regional perspective, one thing you could look at is Japan is likely to be the top performing region in the third quarter 
as well as the top performing stock index covered by most investment committees. And one thing investors have focused on has been increasing vaccination rates and a possible fiscal stimulus package under a new prime minister as reasons to be more bullish on Japanese stocks. But low growth rates and negative yields continue to augur for a tactical underweight in most investment committee views. If you can remember the old Tude song, Turning Japanese, you may want to double rethink that position. Stocks in Europe and the U.S. have weakened in the back half of September as late as mid-month. The U.S. and Europe, XUK, were tra tracking for higher third-quarter returns. However, weakness in technology and communication services this month has eroded September or S&P 500 returns for the quarter, while in Europe, weaker performance in Germany has pulled Q3 returns down as well. Pandemic effects and significant exposure to cyclical value areas have also weighed on the region. Both Asia, Pacific, ex-Japan, and Latin America are looking to post substantial declines in the third quarter, and regulatory pressures in China and high inflationary debt burden in Brazil have weighed on other emerging markets. Across the S&P 500, performance trends have been mixed during the third quarter with economic growth slowing, commodity volatility rising, and input pressures increasing across a host of manufacturing and industrial sectors. Conversely, more defensive sectors like healthcare, utilities, consumer staples, and real estate did see improved performance trends during the third quarter, but have faced increased selling pressure as September came to an end. In the Ameriprise Investment Committee view, it's appropriate for investors to dial back some cyclical value exposure at the start of the fourth quarter by reducing materials equal weight from overweight while still maintaining an overweight allocation to financials and industrials. Financials could benefit from a rising interest rate environment, while industrials could see better earnings trends on the back of strengthening global economy. When we return in our next segment, we'll focus on interest rates and what that could mean for the rest of the year in your own pocketbook. You're listening to Financial Fridays brought to you by Align Wealth Management, and we'll be back after a word from our sponsors. When today is unpredictable, you need sound advice and strong support to help you stay focused on your long-term financial goals for tomorrow. Ameriprise has been guiding clients through challenging times for over 125 years. You can take comfort in working with an advisor who's backed by that strong experience and who's there to guide you with personalized, goal-based financial advice. Together, you and your Ameriprise advisor can plan your future while navigating your now. Call Align Wealth Management, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, today at 270-684-8424. That's 270-684-8424. Offices located at 2708 New Hartford Road in Owensboro, Kentucky. Hello and welcome back to Financial Fridays, brought to you by Align Wealth Management. I'm your host, Drew Watson, Private Wealth Advisor with Align Wealth Management. And in the financial planning segment this week, uh, if you could tell the theme of the show, it's all about rates. Uh, if you're a cat lover like myself and you remember the old uh, cat commercial, meow, 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 well, this show is going to be like rate, 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 rate. 
So why are rates so important, and what can you do about interest rates that you can control within your financial life? So let's talk about interest rates. Typically, the most traditional uh, experience most uh, individuals have with rates are when you have to borrow money. And usually, the most money is borrowed either on a house, your mortgage, paying for education through student loan, buying an automobile uh, with, uh, with financial credit, and or getting extended credit through credit cards or other means uh, going forward. So basically what interest is, interest rates are the cost of money. How much does it cost to borrow? And during this uh, unusually low interest rate environment that we've been in, really for the past uh, 12 to 13 years since the great financial crisis, um, you know, keep in mind if you look at 10-year rates as a benchmark uh, heading into the financial crisis during most of the 2000s, 10-year uh, interest of the government uh, printed was about 4 to 5.5%. Here recently it's been about uh, 1%, and as, you know, this week we're around the one5 uh, to 1.6% uh, level on interest rates. So you can tell by any measure we are well, well, well below long-term rates. Now, from a financial planning standpoint, what can you do about using those rates to your advantage? Well, first and foremost, you can look at locking in the best fixed-rate mortgage that you can uh, for either a 15-year, which is my preference, or 30-year period. Because once that rate is locked in, come what may, rates may go up a lot, uh, your payment will not change. Now, keep in mind, a lot of times, real estate values are a function of interest rates, meaning the higher the rate is, the less your house will be worth. And the converse is true, we've been living through this, that the lower the rate is, the more your house will be worth on paper. So the downside to having a fixed rate mortgage and uh, making your payments is on paper the value of your house may drop precipitously if rates go up. For example, if your home is worth, say, 250000 or $500,000 now on paper because a 15-year mortgage may be 2% or 2 and an eighth, if that mortgage goes to 4%, uh, you know, payments are going to more than double and the value of the property may, at least in the near term, drop quite a bit because people won't be able to make payments on a $500,000 house at a 4 to 5% interest rate like they could when it was 2%. So keep in mind, if you're using the value of your house to buttress up a lot of other debt, a higher interest rate environment, even though you're locked in, may create a margin call in our business where you have to post more collateral as the value of your underlying assets could go down. Typically, on automobile loans, you want a fixed rate, and what we've seen over time is, is automobile loans stretch out to, you know, beyond well beyond 60 months, uh, even now some as close to 10 years. Uh, those are horrible financial decisions to make, and you'd be better off uh, buying a lower-valued automobile than stretching out payments that long. And by all means, on auto loans, you want those rates to be fixed. Automobile loans typically range from anywhere of 0% uh, on up, and people will ask, well, how can they make money on 0% financing? Well, that just tells you the cost is all built into the price of the car. 
Now, what's interesting, uh, being in the car market myself as it is now, what I found is what historically used to be true, if you walked in with a wad of cash and said, hey, I'm Jack Clampett and I want to make a cash on the barrel head offer on this car, they would work with you on price because the dealer would get the money and, and, and it's a clear transaction, uh, no worries. But what we found now is, is dealers are more reluctant to make deals on cash purchases, but they will make deals on the financing purchase, which should raise everyone's awareness. Well, why would they want to do that unless they're getting part of the financing? So not only is there going to be a built-in profit in the price of the car, but obviously if the dealer can participate in the loan, uh, that's more money for them as well. That's why they are willing to kind of make deals on cars that are going to be financed for five years or longer because that could be a good stream of income for them. Now what if rates go up? Uh, my, my pet indication is that the automobile industry will be an interesting place to watch because not only do you have the headwinds of potential interest rate costs going up for them, but you also have the unanswered question of what's going to happen to all these cars once microchip production comes back online. Now, with that said, you know, you've got a lot of 21s that are new and never been driven with no microchips. You're going to have some 22s produced. Uh, what will happen to car prices? That could be a twin headwind for car prices to kind of come back to earth. Now, looking at other debt, look at student loans. Uh, this is going to be a big question mark because if you've been using the federal student loan program, what you know is although interest rates are basically 0 to 2% on houses and cars, uh, you were doing well to have a student loan at about 6%. Uh, that is uh, incredulous, and, and really, you listen to politicians talk about wanting to make reforms to student loans, and, you know, I'm more of a... Uh, libertarian at heart, so it means I'm you know, definitely not on the progressive wing of, 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 of a party. But I would say, you know, your first step you could make on these federal programs is take the interest rate from 6% or 8 down to something more in line with what the normal rates are for a 10-year period. And the you know, 10-year treasury, obviously, right now is about 1.5%. That's not saying there's not uh, risk in student loans. But is there really a four and a half, which is actually a, um, you know, 3x risk above normal treasuries? Uh, you could look far and wide at uh, some rogue states that have to borrow money uh, everywhere from the dark continent of Africa to Latin, you know, America, banana republics, uh, to very Gestapo-type regimes uh, still today in Eastern Europe and Asia, and find they're borrowing money at far less than 6%. So the student loan conundrum, even though people have been holding out thinking maybe some of these loans might be forgiving, is um, while rates are what they are, I would be making payments um, to reduce your principal there because once rates start moving up, that's where people could find the biggest negative impact. And finally, let's talk about credit cards. Uh, even though rates are low, Currently, most credit card rates, once you get past any teaser rates, you are still running at the, uh, what I would call full teeth of whatever the highest rates, uh, legally, uh, people can charge and not be called, uh, usury rates. So, as always, you want to keep your credit card balances at a minimum or just use your cards as a charge card, which means you pay it off every month. 
because even though we've been in this low-rate environment, once you get past a teaser rate that may be good for 6 to 12 months, what you're going to see is very high double-digit rates, uh, probably in, in, in the 20s, um, you know, which I think is getting close to, as I said, the legal limit uh, people can charge you. So as you get ready for this, if you already have a credit card balance and you're past the teaser rate, those rates probably won't change much because they're at the top end of their barrier. Look at making sure your mortgage rate is locked down uh, with as low as a fixed rate as you can have. Your auto loan is the same, no more than a 60-month payment. Work on your student loans and your credit card debt. This is the best way to go into a uh, rising interest rate environment. It keeps more money in your pocket and protects your family. You've been listening to Financial Fridays brought to you by Align Wealth Management. I'm your host, Drew Watson, and we will be back in 60 seconds. What do you want to do when you grow up? When we were young, it's a question we were often asked. As we get older, our passions become clearer, our pursuits become careers, and if we're diligent, we begin to plan for the life we want to live. That's why at Ameriprise Financial, we ask what's most important to you? Starting with our confident retirement approach, your Ameriprise Financial Advisor will ask questions that will help you arrive at a customized plan that can help you realize your goals today, tomorrow, and throughout retirement. With the right financial advisor, life can be brilliant. Call Align Wealth Management, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, Inc. today at 270-684-8424. That's 270-684-8424. Office is located at 2708 New Hartford Road in Owensboro, Kentucky. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Hello and welcome back to Financial Fridays, brought to you by Align Wealth Management. I'm your host, Drew Watson, and this is our fourth segment where we answer your questions uh, that are emailed to us throughout the week. As a reminder, our email address is William.A. Dot Watson at ampf.com as in Apple Mary Paul Frank.com. Well, today's question comes in from the market action earlier in the week where we had a lot of volatility and probably will still have volatility, and the main culprit has been blamed is interest rates. Uh, to put it in perspective, and the question was why, why does a small move in interest rates? cause markets to react the way they do. In looking at interest rates, the benchmark that I always evaluate is the United States 10-year Treasury bill rate, which uh, in its action earlier in the week ran up to about 1.57, uh, 1.58, uh, which is one and a half, a little bit more than one and a half percent interest. Uh, to put that in perspective, uh, just about a week ago, rates were down in the 1.3 area. So that's really a quarter of one percentage point increase uh, in a period of just about uh, four trading days, uh, which kind of had some market uh, participants a little bit concerned. Now, in the near term, uh, our high on rates on that 10-year Treasury for the year was about 1.76%. And that happened back in the February, March area. But if you go back um, 20 years ago, you know, 
this rate was in the five and a half percent ballpark all the way up until the great financial crisis started where we are now is is a vast vast area away from where we were there so so generally the ten year through the early 2000s was between you know four to five and a half percent and really when the great financial crisis began that's when you saw the precipitous drop in senior rates and so the question that came in is Drew why does that make all this difference uh, in stock markets well, well typically any most stock valuation models uh, that they teach uh, financial advisors or other people in school uh, you know interest rates go into it and the lower the interest rate uh, that's put into the assumption, the higher uh, the amount of the ongoing cash flows can come to a, a, a larger present value. So these are all present value uh, interest rate calculations, and so the lower the number, um, the higher the stock price, especially on companies that may be, you know, what we call now the high tech business, or they have the latest gadget or whiz bang. Uh, if they project higher earnings in the future. On a very incontestably low interest rate number, it can, on paper, make their valuations look larger. Now, so that's why when you get a pretty good sized rate move, you know people a lot of times will sell first, ask questions later, in a ready, fire, aim uh, investment uh, philosophy, which is not what we recommend. You know, I think all selling and buying decisions need to be made part of a, a comprehensive financial plan. And consult with your professional advisors on this, but that is why rates move. Now, once things settle out after pretty pretty high rate moves, you know, for example, um, you know, right around uh, you know, call it uh, the end of the year uh, last year, rates were at about uh, 0.92 percent. Uh, early by early January, they had ran up to 1.1, you know, seven percent, which is essentially the kind of the exact same rate move that we had, um, you know, this last week. What you saw, stocks really didn't budge. I mean, the S and P went down modestly uh, one day, but but in essence, you really didn't get any type of large uh, negative move at all for the S and P. So. You can take this week's action. Interest rates are part of it, but maybe you know you've got to put into the mix, uh, like it's a uh, you know a, a big uh, vegetable soup recipe. Some other stuff going on in Washington. Uh, will this debt ceiling get extended, et cetera? So there may have been some extenuating circumstances that caused the sell-off um, this week, as opposed to what happened uh, at the beginning of the year. Now after. You get a chance to kind of absorb the shock of, of the market downturn. After interest rates move up, stocks may get sold off wholesale, but there will be opportunities out there. Uh, for example, you know, what you say, what kind of opportunity? Well, one, some businesses like higher interest rates, such as financials. Uh, two, businesses that may be in um, historical sectors that react negatively to interest rates, but have any debt, or you know, they have maybe low debt or no debt, so if they don't have any debt. Really, their debt payments aren't going to be higher. And if they have debt and it's been locked in at these historical low rates, uh, at one to 
you know, one and an eighth percentage interest for 20 or 30 years, um, a 10-year at 1.7 or even 2.5 percent uh, is not going to be a headwind for them, perhaps. As a matter of fact, it may be a competitive advantage if their competitors are having to pay much higher interest than the debt they have locked in. It's akin to a homeowner when rates were low, locking in a 30-year or 15-year fixed-rate mortgage at a two percent interest rate, uh, knowing that they can keep making their payment come what may, and if rates go up, uh, as long as they don't need to refinance or look to buy a new house, they're not going to be negatively impacted. I think the key learning in this, and part of the answer is, there's an immediate reaction, and oftentimes the immediate reaction is an overreaction, and as time goes on and we kind of get into a new normal level of rates, what you can find is opportunity out of other people's fear rather than you having the fear and making mistakes. So that's kind of a, a, a primer, let's say, on why interest rate moves affect stock markets. Um, as I said, you know, a lot of times it has to do with what the present value of the business might become. Now, now keep in mind, conversely, businesses that are heavily laden with debt and revolving debt, their expenses will go up as interest rates go up. Uh, there, there's no doubt about it. But the statistics do prove out that a lot of consumers use their government surplus money that they got during the pandemic to pay down credit, uh, get current on rent, credit cards, etc. So even if rates do move up more than what the forecasters anticipate, it may not have as large of a negative impact as what may have been feared as people may have actually put their money to good use over the last 12 months. We wish you a happy October. We'll be back same time, same station next week. Have a great week, everybody. This is WOMI Owensboro, 99.1 FM and 1490 AM. Translator W256CF, a Town Square media station. Will they vote today? I'm Dave Anthony, Fox News. I hope the progressives stand their ground so that nothing happens. Republican Senator Ron Johnson amid Democratic infighting over a $3.5 trillion spending plan. Progressives in the House demand agreement on with the Senate before they agree to vote for a bipartisan infrastructure bill. But moderate Democratic Senator Joe Manchin says he'll only agree to one and a half trillion. The 1.5 was always done from, from my heart, basically what we could do and not jeopardize, not jeopardize our economy. Democrats need his vote in the 50-50 Senate because all Republicans oppose the plan and tax hikes to fund it. The law that's halted most abortions in Texas returns to court today. Fox's Tanya J. Powers has more live. Dave, arguments over whether to temporarily halt Texas abortion law will be heard by a federal judge in Austin. Now, the hearing was set after the Biden administration filed the lawsuit in the matter last week. The law went into effect September 1st and bans abortions in Texas once a fetal heartbeat is detected, usually around six weeks, before some people even know they're pregnant. It has already withstood early legal challenges, including the U.S. Supreme Court allowing it to stand. Dave. Tanya, one of the Supreme Court justices has COVID. 
Brett Kavanaugh, one of the three Trump appointees, tested positive just out of the court starting a new term to hear new cases. Kavanaugh is fully vaccinated, has no symptoms. Teachers in New York City who don't get a COVID vaccine by today will be kicked out of school on unpaid leave. And while that's being challenged, New York cannot force employers to fire health care workers if they refuse to get the COVID vaccine due to religious reasons. That's the ruling from the Second Circuit Court of Appeals amid a legal challenge to the state's mandates. Fox's Tom Graham, despite COVID's summer resurgence with the Delta variant, Americans did more shopping. Consumer spending rose 0.8% in August after a slight July decline. America's listening, Fox News. California is in big trouble. Soaring crime, overregulation, and high taxes are forcing taxpayers to flee. Now, Newsmax's Rob Schmidt looks at this dangerous situation in his special series on California. Watch Rob Schmidt on Newsmax at 10 p.m. Eastern. Newsmax is on every major cable system. Just check your cable guide. Get Newsmax on most streaming services or download the free Newsmax app on your smartphone. California's nightmare is spreading. Watch Rob Schmidt on Newsmax tonight for this special report. Sometimes the world can seem a cold place, so we got to bring the warmth to it. Sometimes the world can seem a broken place, so we got to strive to fix it. At the end of the day, we are empowered to create the world we want to live in. So we prepare for the worst, but we must always, always expect the best. Smith & Wesson, empowering Americans. Stocks are rising to start a new month after all the September selling. Fox's Lillian Wu is watching the markets and more live here in New York. Dave, there is some buying out today. The morning after the Dow fell 500 points and the S&P closed out its worst month since March of last year. Investors are snapping up cruise lines, airlines, Amex, Visa and other reopening stocks. Those got a lift from Merck. It's rallying after news of an experimental treatment, which the drug maker says reduced COVID hospitalizations and deaths by half in those infected. Right now, the Dow is up more than 200 points, S&P almost eight, but the NASDAQ is down almost 40, Dave. Well, and the price of oil is up a quarter. It's a little above 75 bucks a barrel. Gas is inched up a fraction. AAA's national average for regular now, a bit over 319 per gallon. By the way, Happy New Year. That's right. It's October 1st, the start of 2022's fiscal year for the U.S. government, which is still up and running after Congress approved short-term funding hours before a midnight deadline. The new year also means Americans who live in areas prone to being underwater could have to pay even more for flood insurance. FEMA's National Flood Insurance Program today starts making use of risk rating 2.0. And it could mean flood insurance hikes for about 80% of people who might need flood insurance. Homeowners who keep their policies current will see lower spikes than those who need brand new policies, but the increases could be as high as 25% starting April of next year. The new rates are intended to make the federal flood insurance system more equitable among homeowners and to keep it solvent. It's currently $20 billion in debt. In Broward County, Florida, Eben Brown, Fox News. In the NFL, the Jacksonville Jaguars lost their 19th straight game. The Cincinnati Bengals beat them 24-21 on a last-second field goal last night to kick off week four of the season. I'm Dave Anthony. This is Fox News. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, 
you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.